So uh, how you holding up there, Jody, in the midst of all this this crazy? I'm going stir crazy. I was good, man, until the last couple of days. Yeah. It's, been, it's been raining here, and it doesn't ever oh, rain here. That makes here. it hard. Yeah. So we're just kind of stuck inside. Which is... It's tough, man. It's tough. I think everybody listening, thanks for jumping on here. Um, everybody listening is probably struggling as well. I mean, it's not like this whole process is easy. Um, if you're jumping on for the first time, hey, thanks for listening. I'm Chris uh, Trent. I'm a youth pastor in a suburb outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and Marietta. And that's Jody on the other side there. That's going stir crazy. Yep, out in California. Jody Livingston, California, youth pastor in California. Um, used to live here in Georgia. But, uh, yeah, man, thanks for tuning in. We're not going to do a whole lot of crazy uh, starting this thing out. It's just a weird time, so our normal feel might be a little different. But we just kind of want to jump in pretty quick today because we have an amazing amazing interview that I think got so really, um, I was so thankful to get to be a part of that conversation we had earlier. And, um, we do appreciate our, our sponsors. Um, the, uh, yeah, they're great. And YM360 appreciate you guys praying for them as they have to make some hard decisions about camp. Uh, they do generate, but here's the thing. They also have tons of other, resources available bible studies devos and they're also doing a great resource for free on wednesday nights to help you out with andy blanks so youth group at home i think dot com yeah Yeah, he's amazing so and the folks over at aerosport aerosport aerosport.fun uh super fun when things get back to normal you need this in your youth ministry 100 percent. i am gonna i'm telling you i'm gonna put it in my backyard until we start I'm but saying. not when it's raining. So no, it's just raining. go check yeah, out so. air a, air o sport dot fun uh, dot fun. It's an amazing game. Uh, you're going to want to check that out. So appreciate those guys, and that's for sure. Yeah. And today on the show, use, man, did you like this episode? Oh great. yeah, the the oh yeah, the uh, you're about to say the save uh, money the code. Use the longer haul as a promo code for both those right. and save some money. For yeah, sure, no doubt. Great show, great interview, man. Super good. So good, so moving, so powerful and helpful. And uh, Patrick Thompson, a youth ministry friend of mine um, from days gone by. I mean, he he was in Georgia for a while. He'll talk about how he he's in New York City now. And the uh, the unique thing about Patrick is he is just uh, getting over coronavirus. He actually had the coronavirus and. He talks about that, tells that story. It's incredibly moving. I had not had a conversation or talked with anybody who had actually had it before um, at this level and what that's been like. And, man, it's wild. Then we talk about the church. We talk about yeah. youth ministry, what the future of youth ministry looks like. Folks are going to want to stick around. I mean, I think this is one of the best, most timely interviews we've ever had. Yeah. Listen, listen all the way through because at the very end, he, he dropped something to watch for on Easter. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you, you got to listen. You got yeah, to listen. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. That's good. Well, good times. Well, I, I think we ought to just jump right in this thing. Everybody, again, everybody, cause I think we're going to have some, some, some new listeners as a result of this. Um, and so thank y'all for jumping in. You're welcome to jump back onto some old episodes if you do youth ministry. And if you're not in youth ministry, thanks for hanging out with us for just a minute to hear this, this, this really, this story, I guess this testimony of, that Patrick shares and uh, thanks for hanging out with us. But here we go with uh, Patrick Thompson from, from New York city. Well, Hey Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to come on. Um, and we're super glad that you're here with us a little to share your story. And for those Dude, who Patrick's the best, yeah. Patrick's the best. I'm so pumped. Yeah. Patrick's <laughs> on the show today. This is going to be amazing. I thought I was the best. No, you're not the best. Okay. Uh, Patrick, for those who may not be familiar with you or not know you, uh, why don't you take just a minute, tell a little bit of your background, your story, how you ended up where you're at, and how you ended up on the show. Yeah, yeah I'd love to, Jody. Thanks. I've uh, basically been in ministry about almost 30 years now. 15 years was in local church uh, youth ministry, uh, primarily in the uh, state of Georgia and some other areas in the southeast. Love youth ministry. It's always been a part of my life. It was part of my life growing up. It was a, it was you know who, what my social life was centered around as a kid. I've 
always seen the value in youth ministry. Then spent about five years doing state uh, denominational youth ministry work and training and investing in uh, leaders, uh, which I loved as well. And then just over eight years ago, God began a journey of us to uh, move our family from Marietta, Georgia to New York City to plant a church. And we literally started the church with four of us in our living room. And over those eight years now, it's been a, a journey of God's provision and sovereignty. And, uh, you know, before all this craziness happened with the pandemic, we were, you know, a church of about 140 uh, so people wow. meeting every Sunday in the heart of New York City. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, I've known uh, Trent for years and we've done ministry together. And the thing about ministry here in New York that, uh, allows me to stay so connected with youth ministry as we'll have uh, mission teams uh, primarily made up of students come up throughout the year. And uh, so I get to work with students still almost yeah, our, our on high a school, our high, Jody, basis. I don't know yeah. if you even know that, our high school uh, choir has taken a couple trips up to New York City and worked with Patrick, um, helped with block parties and did some concerts yeah. and some things like that. So Yeah, phenomenal. So I keep my hand yeah. in youth ministry, and I don't know uh, – you know, I'm not doing it on a daily basis anymore. It's funny, when we first started church up here, people ask about the size of our youth ministry. And I was like, well, it's two, which are my two kids, which were, <laughs> yeah. eighth, you know, eighth grade and 10th grade at the time yeah. we moved up here. So that was the extent of our youth ministry. We do have a couple middle school kids right now that have uh, connected, but youth ministry here in the city is not uh, anything like uh, anything, you know, I was a part of before. We spent some time together about a month ago, and um, one of the things you said that that stuck with me, because I think it's, <laughs> at least for me, you know, I think like I, I live in it. I'm definitely a suburb guy, right. but I'm not a city guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think like, what was it like for you to leave sort of the suburb lifestyle of Atlanta, yeah. Georgia, uh, to go to new york city you know yeah every everything changed (laughs) excuse me everything changed in the sense that rhythms of life were completely different you know not having a car having two teenage kids who don't have cars don't even have driver's license not having access to a walmart or a large uh home to store stuff in i mean we live in a 900 square foot apartment four of us my 22 year old and 20 year old son and daughter share a room you know it's your your whole rhythm of how life you interact with life shifts and it 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 was a strain at first I mean honestly you you know just imagine taking everything you know and stripping it away and trying to you know pick up the pieces to a new life all at you know within a month of, of moving somewhere and uh but here's what I can say that the style of living that we walked into here in New York City is something we grew to love very quickly. Hmm. Um, that was one I of the things you said when yeah. we hung out that stood out to me was what you're talking about right now was that you found your people. Yeah. Yeah, this is who we are. I I don't know that I knew that before I got here. Uh I'd only really taken two trips to New York City before we came up for our assessment and to really consider planting here and you know, you come up here on on a vacation or even a mission trip and it there are things you go like, "Oh, I could do this." Uh but living here is a hundred percent different. And, but once we got here, like it was Chris, it was, I mean, this is who we are. It's, it's how God shaped us. And it wasn't just me. It was me and my wife and my two kids. Mm. We didn't just fall in love with the city. We, we fell in love with the rhythms of the city, the people of the city, the types of relationships that are formed here. Yeah. It sounds uh, like I if mean, you were to decide to come back, your kids would stay. Oh, they, they're New Yorkers. Yeah. Now. Yeah, very much so. I, They'd be I, like, we're not, honestly, going to, we're, yeah. we're not going back to Marietta, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, what? I have to drive? No way. No way. Uh, Is there a I, suburb I, I, in Marietta, Georgia? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a, 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 a to, subway? Uh, I mean, it's not a suburb, subway. I'd have to honestly have a missionary call to come back to yeah. wow. Marietta. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's well, we got family there, and that's what makes it feel like a little home still, but it doesn't feel yeah. like home when I'm there. I feel sure. like a tourist when I'm back in Marietta now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jody, you know this, and 
listeners, um, hopefully you've gotten to this point because the reason we have, uh, we've asked Patrick to jump on today is Patrick has some unique perspective about what we're going through right now um, as a world. And uh, Patrick has uh, actually had coronavirus. You've had, you've, you've, you've gone through that. Now you're not contagious anymore and uh, we're not in the same room anyway, but, um, <laughs> but uh, nor do I want to be in the same room. With you right now. Um, but uh but we thought it would be interesting, one, because you have the heart of a youth pastor. Uh, you also have the heart of a pastor yeah. as a church planner. You're a thinker when it comes to church and a leader when it comes to church ministry and stuff. So, one, I'd just love to hear the story of how the whole coronavirus thing uh, went down and what your experience was. Because, honestly, I don't think we're hearing a lot of people talk about, hey, I had it. And this yeah. is what it was like. Here's how it impacted me. And I, I know this is your story, and we know, thankfully, you're okay now. We know other people have have died from this, you know, yeah. which is tragic, yeah. and we're sad. So we're not making light of that in any way at all. But um, but it would be interesting to hear you sort of talk about how you found out you had it, what, what you, how you think you may have gotten it, all those type of things. Yeah. And then we'd love to just – we can jump in. I'll, I'll ask some more questions, or Jody yeah, can ask some questions right. here in a little bit about – how we think this might impact the church and how it might, might impact students as well. So, uh, so how'd that whole thing go down, man? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when it first started kind of impacting New York, I began trying to coordinate some relief efforts here in the city. And the week before I was tested for it, uh, I mean, I was out everywhere. I was on the subway making food deliveries, uh, different parts of the city. I mean, we were trying to I don't know that we were wearing masks 100% at that point, but we were trying to be careful and social distancing and stuff like that. But uh, so two and a half weeks ago now uh, on a Saturday, I began that the cough kind of started to come on and I thought, you know, maybe it's allergies, maybe it's just cold. I don't know. It was just a cough, nothing else. Uh, Sunday afternoon, the next day, uh, really after we had done our online church, uh, experience. Uh, I started to feel a fever and Katie, my wife took my temperature and it was almost 101 at that point. And we made the decision to isolate myself in our two bedroom apartment, which is not, I mean, <laughs> she basically moved out. Yeah, how, do you, how do you isolate yeah, yourself in 900 yeah. square feet? It's crazy. I mean, I was grateful we had a two bedroom apartment cause she literally went in, cleaned the bathroom, cleaned all the surfaces, got her, clothes all of her bathroom stuff she she took a suitcase and uh rolled out of our room into my kids room my son's upstate with uh, his girlfriend's family right now and so her and my daughter took over the uh the other bedroom and bathroom and i closed the door uh for at least 10 days um and by that evening uh, here's how quickly it came on. By that evening, I was having problems walking 10 steps from my bed to the bathroom. Wow. Uh, I mean, the body aches, the headache, the fatigue that came on so quickly mm. um, was overwhelming. That's the part that surprised me the most was the speed with which it impacted uh, my ability to really care for myself. And so that was Sunday night, uh, Monday morning here was the cycle that started to happen monday morning i would wake up and i would feel energy i could get up take a shower soak in a bath something to make you feel better and i would for a few hours i would have good energy headache was always there body aches were there but by three o'clock man i was done i couldn't keep my head open my eyes open or my head up uh it was difficult to to even just stay awake mm. i would i'd go a go to sleep the headache was crushing uh the body aches and the fatigue were just knocking you out and this was the cycle every day like a few hours of energy in the morning to nothing in the evenings and katie would slide the door open set my dinner on a chair <coughs> right inside of uh, my room she'd wear gloves mask even to do that and uh wednesday Honestly, so we're we're talking, you know, this time four days into it was the worst. Um, 
we were doing a family game night uh, via Zoom. So I'm in my room on my computer on Zoom, Katie and Natalie, and then our family from different states were all on the Zoom call together just doing a family game night. And I couldn't, I couldn't even speak. I couldn't keep my head open and my, or my head up, my eyes open. And I didn't realize this, there were a lot of factors coming together three or four days into this. There's a mental aspect of the confusion that this causes, that you don't think straight, you don't think about how to care for yourself in this. Um, your, my breathing was becoming very labored, uh, and then the fatigue with that all makes you, all you want to do is lay down and do nothing. You don't want to mm. eat. You don't, <coughs> I was not even aware of how bad my breathing had gotten because I was just attributing it to the fatigue. And, uh, after two more days of that, it was, I, I mean, the, I look back at some pictures I took of myself during that and the paleness, uh, the, the lifeless energy. I, look, if you are compromised in any way, I can see how this quickly could put you in a state of, uh, of dire need, especially mm. if you don't have somebody caring for you and looking out for you. And so, again, it wasn't then until probably the next Sunday, a week after symptoms, that I woke up and I took a deep breath. And that's when I realized how bad my breathing had gotten. I was mm. like, wow, I can actually breathe again. Mm. And, uh, it was uh, it was difficult. Uh, I I think overall, if you if I was gonna from other people I've talked to that have had it and that I'm aware of in the city that have had it, I mean I'm, I'd probably put myself just above the average, uh, being how it was, how it impacted me. I didn't have to go to the hospital, um, but it, it certainly like impacted you were close me for though. a week. I it was. Like, yeah, like it sounded but, like it hit you pretty hard. Thursday morning. I was, I was like, if this is not getting, if something doesn't shift in the next day, I'm going to need to go to the hospital. But Chris, it was hospital trip was the last thing I wanted at that point, because just putting yourself in a, if you're already in a vulnerable position, putting yourself surrounded by other sick people with other viruses and other germs and yeah. things like that. And honestly, it, you know, the, the two hospitals that are closest to us, which is NYU Langone and Elmhurst were both. Um, overrun at that point last week. Mm. Um, so I was, I mean, I was on a teleconference with my doctor, you know, two or three times. Um, but it, uh, it was close. I mean, to, to making that decision to go into a hospital and the, the thing I would tell people, the thing I wish I would have done that I didn't realize was, you know, you can go down to CVS and buy one of those pulse ox sensors Mm. and figure out what your oxygen level is, uh, in your blood. And, uh, I have a friend who has it now who his oxygen levels at 72 wow. and they, they didn't keep him at the hospital. They don't, you know, they, they couldn't do anything. They don't have a ventilator to put him on. So, uh, so it, it was tough. Uh, but I would say the upswing out of it coming out of it, um, uh, was not as quick as it was coming on, but you know, I'm two and a half weeks out now and, Katie and I went and walked two miles in our park last night and my energy level is coming back to be able to do that. So, yeah. uh, I'd have a tough time. Like I tried to do some in-home exercises, sit-ups, push-ups, kettlebells, stuff like that yesterday. And, and then you realized, I, Oh wait, I don't, I, I live in a 900 square foot apartment. <laughs> I don't have yeah, room for this in my apartment. This whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. My bad. <laughs> yeah. I busted the TV with a kettlebell and I was like, all right, I'm that's it. Now. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well patrick man i am uh man i'm thankful you're okay thank you Jeez. i appreciate that it's it's a yeah. it was a journey man i look the other thing i would talk about is this and this is the i think on the other side what a lot of people are going to deal with man being isolated for that long plays tricks on your mind um the loneliness depression that set in pretty quickly you know the idea of you know you, I'd sit in my room, and I know this wasn't. I'm like, I know this wasn't true, but I'd hear my wife and daughter having fun out here in the living room, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble breathing. I can't even get out of bed, and you just it starts playing this. Everybody's living life, and I'm sitting in here dying. I'm sitting in here going down a path that nobody knows about. The fear, 
the anxiety, the depression, the, the mental tricks that it plays on you of I'm the only one dealing with this, I'm the I'll never get healthy again. All those things you have to you have to fight and I'm telling you without without a faith based level of who I am, I that's a that's a hole that I think would be tough to dig out yourself. Mm. You know, we've had that I've had that conversation just that loneliness and isolation, not even with folks who were suffering with the coronavirus, but just from like singles or like I know we've we've gone through and called all of our senior every week we're calling all the senior adults in our our church and so many of them who are by themselves whose family normally come over and can't and you know th- yeah. they're feeling that same sense of isolation and I think it's tough it's I think it's going to have some lasting impact we were walking last night and you know the six foot rule in New York I mean they'll fine you a thousand dollars yeah here in New York if you don't social distance you too. Yeah, and it's uh, it's weird to watch people's reaction. Like you, you see somebody coming thirty feet away, and you naturally push away from the other person. Now, yeah, you move in a different direction, and societally, like I, I hope that doesn't become the norm. Right. I hope that's not what this new normal is that comes out of this. Is this social avoidance, because that's going to play more than just physical. Yeah, that. That's going to impact how we engage with people emotionally, spiritually, you know, across the board as well. Patrick, how is that? So it's been a while since I've been to New York. I know what here in L.A., like if you're down in L.A., there's people everywhere. It's packed in. But there's a general, like before all of this, you'd be walking through and it wasn't distancing. It was just almost like unawareness of people. Like, no one really yeah. made eye contact. No one really looks around and talks, right? And, like, how does that feel now? I mean, everyone seems to be aware of each other now and running from each other versus before, just kind yeah. of. Is there a, I don't even know what I'm asking, really. Well, <coughs> just, well one is, I would say this, that it, there's nobody on the streets. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's a weird, weird feeling. Um, it's a quiet city right now. I mean, it's. I've never experienced in eight years I've been here anything like this. Uh, and But I do think people are, you know, what you're talking about is a crowded subway, a crowded uh, sidewalk where you just make it through. Yeah. You know, you push your way through. You, you don't, <coughs> <coughs> sorry guys, you don't <coughs> acknowledge everybody who's there, but now it's like we were in the city uh, two days ago uh, in Manhattan and I'm like I was longing to see somebody on the street Mm. like I was longing to be able to just wave at somebody and be like you know it not feel like a ghost town but here's the problem with that like you say okay social distancing working but it's really not because what it's done is it's stuck everybody inside yeah and you think okay well I can just stay in my apartment but I live on a, you know, I live in a 32 or 36 floor apartment building. And there are things I have to get out to do. I mean, I have to take my trash down the hall to put in the recycling and the trash bin. And there are 10 other apartments on our floor. And the good chance is I walk out and somebody else is out on the hallway heading to the elevator, heading to the trash chute, or just letting their kids run up and down the hall because they have no space. So it's hard for me to even social distance from my hallway. And then I get on an elevator, and here's, you know, the elevator is a small elevator. And our, our, our apartment has said no more than five people on an elevator. But even with five people on an elevator, I mean, I'm still almost shoulder to shoulder with somebody. Nice. And then you go down to the lobby, and you're around people in the lobby. It, it is hard to get away from people in this city. You can look at pictures, you know, people will post a picture of Times Square looking empty. And I honestly think it'd be better to have a thousand people out in Times Square spread out mm. than stuck in these apartments together. And here's the here's the other challenge. Um, we have a lot of people, especially out in Queens, the most diverse you know uh, borough and county in the U.S., that are living multi generationally in one apartment. Right. So you take my 900 square foot apartment, and you got 10 people in there from baby to great-grandmother and you're telling them to isolate and 
a guy's going out to work at a restaurant to make deliveries every day and then coming home, if he catches it, the whole apartment is catching it. Right. And that's what's happening in a lot of areas that we're seeing rapid spread here. It's spreading in families, in homes, in apartments, in closed environments, rather than, you know, because people are out in the parks. Right. Hmm. Man. Yeah, that's a, you know, I think a lot of us that live in like rural type or suburb type, you know, more spread out type places, my assumption has been that we just don't have a clue what it's like in the city. That it's a complete, you know, we, we, um, especially if you're like in the South, you know, it's easy to, you know, if you're Southern and you're somewhat conservative, it's easy to see the whole, you know, the way they, the way a lot of folks are treating even your mayor, you know, and, um, but my assumption is it's a totally different deal if you're living it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you think about, so I don't have, I have a very small refrigerator and freezer, right? I don't have a garage with a chest freezer. I can go stock up on food. You don't have an extra garage with an extra refrigerator? I don't. I don't believe it or not. But so what that means is like, and I don't even have a pantry. Like we have one cabinet that we put dry goods in. So we've got to go to the grocery store regularly. I mean, that sounds like best case. I mean, you can store a few days worth of food. Yeah, at most, at most. And so now when we go to the grocery store, they're limiting the number of people that can go in. They've marked on the sidewalk every six feet, and you have to stand. I'll say, hey, now, listen, now, we got that at the Walmart down the street. So, (laughs) listen, that's not only a city thing. Don't be big. Don't big city us on that one. Listen, the Walmart's made that adjustment, all right? You got to stand on the X, and you can't go in. Yeah. But that's one of those things you got to, you know, I, I, even if I go do that once a week, I got to do it two or three times a week Yeah. Uh, to, to keep fresh food in the, in the apartment. I'm, I'm grateful that we don't, we don't have a shortage, you know, of food uh, in our, in our grocery stores and things like that. We have plenty in, and that yeah. we've got a lot of people that's that good. are hurting that don't have access or the financial means right now to get food. But, um, is there a strange feeling of I've had it and so I'm safe now? Uh, is that a weird question? Yeah, it is. You know, I, I, the, you know, as much as we can joke about this, I can say, you know, I feel like I've got a all access card now that I can go out and, and I'm safe that I'm not going to contract it. I'm not going to make other people sick yeah. uh, because of it. I've signed up for a few studies, uh, like at Columbia University, to be a part of their antibody study to yeah. see if uh, anything with that, but. It is odd um, because now, I mean, they tell you to wear a mask in New York, but I feel like that's useless for me. But I also don't want to set a bad example. And, sure. Uh, yeah, so no, it's right. it's kind of both of those. Well, um, you don't want to get in it. I'm assuming there's a massive judgment too by others. Yeah. If you, yeah, that's yeah. the thing here. Like you start to get looked at. So we're recording this on April 8th, and um, Patrick, um, I mean, we're going to try to release this thing super fast just because of the timeliness of it. So yeah. I don't know if it'll come out today or tomorrow but um god's kind of using this in your life already um and you told us right before we started which i think is pretty wild that you are spending time with us considering you're going to be on fox news on sunday jeez man so what's what's that about how's how's that going to happen yeah do you know yet for certain is it still kind of in processes far as when it might happen or do you have no, I'm on and obviously that kind of stuff could change but if somebody's yeah. listening to this prior to sunday whatever the date is on sunday i'll look that up real quick while you're talking Go ahead. yeah it's called it's easter yeah so. that's easter sunday. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that is the greatest you know, moment on this show ever <laughs> ever in the history Wait. of the show but now, we've had some moments <laughs> But to be fair, I can barely remember what day it is nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But yeah, um, Easter. Oh yeah, that Easter happens Sunday. to be this Sunday, Easter. Oh, <laughs> this, uh, yeah, I'll be on the uh, Easter, the four o'clock, uh, four o'clock. news cycle uh, of it. I don't know if it'll be at four fifteen <coughs> or four thirty, but they are basically focusing on my uh, as a pastor, my journey with. Uh, COVID and uh, 
and how we are trying to, as a church, how we handled Easter and then our relief efforts that we've organized yeah. uh, in the neighborhood as well. So it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, I, it's, uh, yesterday I was followed around by a news crew, documentary crew from Dateline NBC, uh, with our, with our efforts, our relief efforts. So it's people, and I, I Which don't again begs say, the question of why are you yeah. spending time on the longer haul? Okay. But yeah. anyway, go ahead. Especially yeah. with the pastor who doesn't know when Easter I think is. People, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> People, people want to hear a story of hope, right? I mean, I think that's what it is right now. It's so easy to get isolated, to get fearful, uh, to get look at read articles, read conspiracy theories, read everybody's negativity, and go, "Man, are we ever are we ever going to get out of this?" And mm. there's a portion of our story and my story that I just want to, you know, when people ask me, and this is what I say, like, it's life still. I, like I'm still living life. Uh, it is not life. I, I haven't had pause on my life in these moments. Mm, yeah. And I think that's key for us as people of faith is to not look at this as a moment. We just hit a button and be like, I'm done. Let's hide. And instead really be a part of the healing process. Uh, of this. Sure. Sure. Let's transition a little bit into just some, you know, just based on the fact of what you do as a pastor, as yeah. a church planner, as a as a guy who still works with teenagers, um, let's just maybe. And obviously, I mean, you don't have all the answers, Jody, and I don't have yeah. all the answers. I mean, we know this. We're not claiming to be the final word on this. It's not like we're John Piper or Francis Chan or anything, you know. So um, uh, that's a little joke there because yeah. <laughs> they would know when Easter is. Yeah, that's true. They would. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to come back around about for the rest of my <laughs> life. Okay. Um, but that said, um, you know, it, what is your gut feeling, um, Patrick about what it's going to be like for the church when all this thing is said and done? Yeah. So I, part of what I said in my online sermon on Sunday is one of the things I've had to take to God was the idea of normal that, we'll go back to what was. I just don't think that there's a pathway back to what normal was. I think there's going to be a new normal that comes out of this. And I think there's some beauty in that. And I think there's some traps in that as well. I mean, we, one of the things that's just shown very quickly is, is how fear can motivate very quickly and how we can actually isolate ourselves because of technology and internet and, things like this that, you know, I, I can still do ministry without actually putting my hands on people. But I don't think that's the way Christ intended it. I just don't think that's the model. And I think we've got to be careful that we don't retreat as a people of faith <coughs> during this time. I, I put out a question on my Facebook last night, like how long would you be willing to live like this, to do yeah, this? I saw that. I saw and that the, this morning. The yeah. conversations were incredible. And yeah. a lot of the response I got was this, and I understand this. Like, I, people have been treating this, you know, we, how many times do we do camps, retreats, denials in youth ministry? <clears throat> right? And I feel like a lot of people are treating this like this retreat and that someday we'll come back from it and then we'll be able to be the church again. And I honestly think right now in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm, is the time to be the church. It's not the time to retreat. It's not the time to, to hide. And I think how we handle this is going to create the platform that we get to speak from and get to build our ministries from going forward. Um, and so I think if you're waiting for this to be over to then say, let's figure this out, I think you're going to be behind the curve at that point, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you said something earlier, you know, when you talked about the way you were walking in the park and the way people, you know, avoid each other yeah. and the potential impact of that. And yeah, I think that's one example of what you're saying. It's not as if all of a sudden the president of the United States is going to stand up or anybody else for that matter is going to stand up and say, okay, everybody, it's over. Yeah. Back to normal. We're we're starting to wrestle hard with I you know I um, 
as a student staff yesterday, we talked about two, three weeks from now, we roll into the office on a Monday morning. We've got to start getting our mind around the idea that it's not going to be the same. Yeah. And that it's not going to be as if, and obviously we don't know, maybe there could be, maybe God's got something big planned for, you know, but it's not as if it, it doesn't seem like to me that it's going to be as if all of a sudden we open the doors on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden the pews are packed again, yeah. the chairs, you know, that it's full again, but that this is going to completely change and it's going to be a slow process getting back, you know, back into all of this stuff. Um, you, you said something though, specifically about, you know, churches retreat or people yeah. maybe counting, you know, thinking of this as a retreat and it, it full transparency. It's hard not to living in suburb Atlanta. Well, I, you know, I've got a pretty decent front porch. This yeah. I've multiple times said this could not have happened at a better time from a weather standpoint. The weather's beautiful outside in here in Marietta. You know, it's been gorgeous. Um, I've spent a lot of time just working on the porch, uh, literally in my Eno, in my hammock, um, you know, <laughs> kind of doing that, right? Living the dream. And we're trying to recreate youth ministry. We're trying to stay connected with teenagers. Um, we were all supposed to be in Poland and Peru, not Poland, but uh, we were all supposed to be in Peru and DR this week um, with our teenagers. And that obviously is canceled. So we're spending nightly calls with teenagers. A lot of great connection. Had a, had a kid trust Christ yesterday. Phenomenal, yeah, awesome. right? As a result of all that stuff, you know. So, um, but it is easy though to get caught up in all this and just kind of set back and think of it as a spiritual retreat. So what comes to your mind when you think about the church, but also just teenagers and youth pastors, you know, because I'm sitting here leading a youth ministry, Jody's leading a youth ministry. And how do we get away from creating great content? Yeah. Hey, we're really doing some fun content. We're really doing some great content, you know, Hey, We've got these 10 amazing games we can play on Zoom. It's awesome, right? You know, how do we move away from that to doing what you're talking about to where it's not just – and actually mobilize our students or mobilize our people to start thinking like that? Yeah, I think a big part of it, Chris, is going to be the idea of uh, stewardship of ministry. I mean, I, I've served in big churches. I've, I've been in you know big – you know where we, we measure gatherings. And, yeah, we measure – ministry as well, how we go out and mission trips that we go on, how many new people are coming, influence and all that kind of stuff. But I'll be honest, you know, I don't I don't know that I ever gave the ownership of ministry fully away. Like I think I held on to, you know, this is mine. This is God God gave me this ministry for me to lead and in this new setting, man, I, I gotta you gotta let go. You gotta, and that's that's more than multiplication and stewardship. Like I gotta say to a tenth grade student, bro, I trust you to figure out how to connect with your friends the best way, and for you to be a voice of God in their life right now. Not you connecting them back to me, not you connecting them to our Zoom call, but for you to be the pastor where you are. I, I think, man, one of the biggest things that New York has taught me. I, I was sitting here about a, a few months in, and I was frustrated because we had not had people come to church like I thought we would. I mean, it, it was just a much slower process. And I was out walking my dog on a, one of our little park areas here, and I was like, God, I was praying, like, God, if you would send people to our church, if you'll bring people to our gatherings, I will shepherd them well, I'll pastor them well, I'll love them, I will teach them about you, I will do all the things you called me to do. Just get them to my gathering. And it was like God slapped me upside the head and said, Patrick, if you wait for that to happen, you'll never have a church in New York. Start shepherding the people that you know in this neighborhood now. Be their pastor now. And the truth is, our ministries are filled with people who have influence in other people's lives. And it's not, out of, it's not about them starting house church on their own or doing this kind of stuff. It's just empowering them to believe and to understand that they are equipped ministers of God. As a 7th grader, 10th grader, 12th grader, college student, parent, whatever, to go out and be the church to these people instead of bringing them to church. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the things that I have 
when we've talked about this before, even on the show, I, I think for years and years and years, I found myself telling students, whether it was uh, middle school, high school, college students, like you are where you are for the sake of the gospel and trying to figure out how do we empower students to reach those that they've been placed around. Uh, when I got here to High Desert Church, one of the, the key components for us is we call it the Oikos principle that, you know, and, and we we say like so everyone has people that God has put on the front row of their life. Yeah. And and that's how that's how the church has always grown is that those who are in the church reach the people that are on their front row so that those people can reach the people on their front row. And uh, I know we've spent so much time over the last few weeks and all this talking about the reality of that is ministry now. Like you're, you've, you've, everyone is forced into that model of, of ministry and, and, and it should have maybe been like that all, all along for folks, but, I know we're seeing, we're seeing so much encouragement from that in our people. Um, and even back to your point, Chris, earlier, like one of the things that I've been really encouraged about, whether it's our student online stuff or our weekend online stuff, is there is a growing urgency and longing for people wanting to gather together again. Huh. Um, and we hear it over and over and over we're, we're meeting with our small group last night our adult with my wife and i and you know everybody's just saying i can't wait till we can just like be together again um and, and so I, I my i'm so hopeful that that continues um to to grow and build in folks but i love i love that you're saying you know we've got to empower students to reach students because i think we've said it forever i think every youth pastor said it forever Sure. But like you're saying, at the end of the day, how many times do we sit and not really let that go? And Jody, here's the thing, I think, where I've seen, when I talk about this idea of stewardship of ministry, of giving them the the success or failure of it, is I am I'm so tempted in these moments, and especially if I was in youth ministry right now, I'm still so tempted to, hey, yeah, you're, you're front row that you're talking about, get them to tune in to our Wednesday nights, get them to tune in to our Sunday mornings where I'm like, what if that student just did their own zoom call with a bunch of friends from school and found the right ways and the right times to talk about the spiritual challenges that they're walking through and this and own that versus the invite. I mean, I I'm all for an invite. I, I get it. But I think we have made inviting people to gatherings a win, yeah, the win, yeah, versus them owning the stewardship of the ministry themselves. I'll give you one example that happened to me last night. I, I put this that question on my Facebook page to intentionally get some conversation going, uh, and and really the intent was to maybe catch some people that would ask me what my perspective. Well, this guy that I went to high school with, I haven't seen him in 25 years. We started having an online conversation, and his question online was, well, what's the Christian view on this virus? I answered on the main Facebook page, but then it went to a 45-minute conversation on direct message mm-hmm. to where now the next time I'm in Marietta, we're going to sit down, you know, have a meal together, and continue this conversation. And it it wasn't... Never once did I say, tune in next Sunday to my teaching. The The ownership and the stewardship of the spiritual engagement went to the personal level. And that's what I'm hoping comes out of this. I'm hoping that's the new normal. Look, I, I'm all for campaigns and things like that. And like, who's your one? Those kind of deal. But the, the truth is this. Um, I, I don't have just one. I have a hundred people that are in my life that are on a regular basis that I can use this incredible moment in our collective world history to have conversations about, man, last night I asked God, why did this, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. Like being transparent with my questions, I think allows other people to really engage in questions as well. So that's so good. Do you think that part of the, um, or do both of you guys think this really? Um, 
that part of the struggle for a lot of professional church people, though, in the midst of that is, well, if I give it all away, (laughs) what's my job again? I I, I, I say that because I sense that. Like I I feel like there's a whole lot of people, a whole lot of ministers. I'm talking about ministry people that are Mm -hmm. professionals getting paid full-time type folks. Not everybody listens, falls into that category. We acknowledge that. But um, I feel like there are a whole lot of people that are the type of content they're creating, the type of programming, all this stuff they're trying to do in this thing ultimately points back to them trying to justify their existence rather than them saying, I'm going to trust that seventh grade kid to get four buddies and do a Bible study and that the Holy Spirit will lead that thing. Do you all sense any of that or is that just something I'm... Yeah, I get it, man. I... Part of part of the move to New York, I had to give up a career to to pursue a calling, yeah. and I think that's what a lot of these guys are going to struggle with. Like, is this a career path I chose, or is this truly a calling? Because if it's a calling, uh, I'm going to do it whether I get paid or not. I'm going to do it whether it you know it diminishes my importance, my role. And man, that's hard. I, I'm not. I don't look. I Chris, you you know me. You know my ministry path and trajectory. I mean, it was, you know, get hired at the next bigger church and bigger Mm -hmm. salary, bigger ministry means bigger influence. And that's all good things, you know, that you're trying to put out there. And it's not, I'm not downplaying those things. I'm just saying there was a point I know in my pathway where the calling had to supersede the career again. And I, I would challenge a lot of guys that are thinking that and are dealing with that to, really go back to why, why are you doing this? I mean, is it to create a platform for you to speak from, or is it to really see students embrace the gospel and their lives be changed in such a way that they're influence makers, you know, throughout their history? Yeah. I think a lot of, I think a lot of folks are feeling that already, even not even in the sense of if I give it away, what's my job. I think people are sitting here right now trying to figure out in this new paradigm, this isn't how I've done ministry. What's my job now? Like I'm not going to ball games. I'm not, we're not having, you know, midweek gatherings. I'm not meeting with students for this or that. Like what is my job now? So I think, I think that pressure is there and that thought is there probably from a number of levels for, for a lot of folks. Chris, can I, let me ask you this. Like, what are you, yeah, what are you spending your time doing? Um. Well, partly, I mean, full disclosure, I mean, p- part of that is because I'm leading a team, because I happen to be at a church that's large enough to have a student ministry team, I, I, I'm doing a whole lot of um, coaching in the sense of like, you know, kind of head coach type moments where I'm taking ideas and trying to, okay, this is what we're going to focus on you know, right now. Um, I'm spending a ton of my time right now trying to figure out how we go from content to relationships. Hmm. How do we transition from, you know, we, we, we hit a, we had a quick response, social media presence, have fun. That's when it was novel, right? That's when everything was kind of novel. Okay. Oh wait, they're not going back to school at all. Oh, okay. Well, that changes, you know, everything. Um, so, what we started seeing was for us, we started seeing our social media type stuff. Like, the participation was just taking a dive because hmm. it was fluff. You know, it was good on. It was good the first week. It was fun. It was novel and everything. You know, but so now we're trying to figure out how do we transition from that to spending time with kids and truthfully and I'm not just trying to say this because you, you you've encouraged it but I've been trying to figure out how can I empower teenagers um, how can I how can I help a middle school kid know or a high school kid know hey listen you could be all these things we're doing you could be doing these things yeah. like you could have zoom calls with your friends and, and create Bible studies and you can create a prayer moment with your friends and um, and do those things so it's a whole lot of that um, I think like most of us also, um, I'm tired of Zoom calls. You know, yeah. we do more um, 
Zoom calls than, you know, a couple of other people joked about being Zoom pastors, you know. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, we're, we're, we're transitioning today. I'm really excited about today, tomorrow, and all next week. Every day at 3 o'clock, we are we're interviewing kids just by themselves. Just one kid. And truthfully, I stole that idea from a guy off of Facebook. Like, I think it was Download Youth Ministry Facebook group. Some guy had been interviewing us kids. We're, we're tweaking it and changing it. But um, I'm more excited, though, about spending the afternoon interviewing one kid at a time mm. than the goofy Instagram lives that we were doing for the first two weeks at 3 o'clock where we were just talking about well, – I, I literally baked cupcakes on one of them. Like, I mean, that's <laughs> – you would expect that guy from a guy who doesn't know that Sunday is Easter, but I mean, I'm just saying, um, uh, so, so I'm really, that's, that's, so we're prepping for that now, you know? Um, but we're also trying to create some rhythm too. Like we, um, as a staff, we're going through a book together right now, you know, trying to have some type of normalcy. Um, we may or may not be, I'm not going to say this out. Uh, no, I'm not going to say the word right there. Um, so um, I'm going to catch myself and stop myself from saying what we're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's my world. I don't know I, if that answers I love that. I, I love that process you've been through because, you know, you watch, you can watch on Facebook or Instagram, like what some of these ministries are trying to do. And, and yeah, I've seen a lot of people just trying to replicate what they were doing online. And to me, that's, I'm, I'm, you know, choose my words a little carefully here. That, that to me is a waste of time because I don't think that's what's going to come out of this. And I don't, I don't think you can replicate what you are doing in person online anyway. No, you can't. And and, and it's going to be, this is going to be Patrick, dude, this is going to be so clarifying and yes. revealing for a whole yes. lot of people. Um, and, and I, and I will say this, this is going to sound incredibly judgmental and harsh. Um, but I'm telling. I, I hope this is. I hope this comes out of this Sunday morning. Just scroll through Facebook and see all of the different live feeds that going on, that are going on. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be shocked if there's not some guys that have been doing this for 15 or 20 years that watch themselves and go, "Oh my gosh, we're terrible! <laughs> like we're terrible at this. <laughs> like yeah. look at that." Like, is that what people are seeing on Sunday mornings when they're sitting in our yeah. church? Is that what, that's what they see? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like we're, we're not getting this right. You know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be more to this. I hope they see that. And I hope they don't see themselves as the new Facebook evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who else is going to become, come out of this as Facebook famous. Well, you apparently you're going on Fox yeah, news on Sunday. Know, so man. you're like big time, man. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. This has been a great conversation, man. Yeah, Anything man. you want to want to add to this before we before we wrap you know, this I up? Just, final one, thoughts? I, I and Jody, I don't know if you had anything else to do, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you guys do as far as you know, I, Jody. I don't know you as well as I know Chris, but just knowing that what's happening in youth ministry right now is I really do sense a move away from just entertaining and gathering kids to uh, helping them. They know what influence is. I mean, students know what influence is. Now, you don't have to teach them. That is in their psyche and in their everyday life and teaching them how to garner, take that influence and use it for the gospel. I appreciate what you guys are doing to help students do that. So it's much needed, much needed. Yeah. Well, Patrick, thanks, man. uh, We're grateful for your time, especially since you're big time and now and Chris can't countdown he's got an advent calendar to easter just somewhere he can't find it <laughs> that's funny so that's funny. <laughs> i'm hoping the weather's gonna be good you know what we are doing sunday um you got i'm serious pray for the weather um we uh we're gonna we're gonna social distance and we've got some rules in place but we're doing a bring your own lawn chair um and uh this is an invite thing patrick ripped on us for this wall here but um <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, but we're setting our big screen TV up right, right on, right in front of our porch and we've got some people coming over, but here's, what's interesting. I've got some neighbors, yeah. you know, that might come that normally don't do this kind of stuff, you know? And so just to be with um, people, 
just, just to be, to be and look, yeah. we're going to keep our distance and we're yeah. going to, again, yeah. we're, I, I've strictly said no elbows, no hand, no, yeah. no feet. No, I mean, like you're not even getting close to each other. You bring your own stuff, stay away from each other, you know, like, but, um, find a spot in my yard and plop down and, um, and I'll crank up our church service or whatever, but, but we're super pumped, man, about, about doing some of that stuff. That's and, cool. and I am excited. I, I would just say this as we wrap this thing up, do you know, this is hard. Um, how do you say it? Uh, it's hard, but I can tell you as a guy who's been doing this, who has been involved with teenagers for 30 years now, this has also been some of the most exciting two weeks. And I don't say that to make light of what people are going through. I, that That's a weird, that's the hard part about talking about this stuff. But there is something exciting about what it seems like God may be doing in the midst of all this. And when it comes to revealing and clarifying and, um, so yeah, man. So, Hey, how can they find you on social uh, media, Patrick, if they want to connect with you, possibly yeah. maybe bring a group to New York city at some point. Uh, Instagram is just Patrick. You're 2024 when things yeah. are back to normal. Yeah, exactly. Instagram yeah. is just Patrick Thompson. The church is new dash city church.com. Uh, you can get on, uh, find me. There's emails on there and anything like that. But easiest way is uh, Instagram and uh, New City Church NYC on social media. That's good, man. Put, I'll put good. links to all that for us and for Thanks. folks in the show notes too. So, Jody's all about the show notes, Patrick. The show notes. So is everyone who Sounds visits, so my friends. So is everyone who <laughs> clicks on the link. <laughs> Everybody who's listening right now who can't. Get to, well, right now they're probably just like, oh, sure, I'll look that up right now because they're just sitting there listening. Yeah, I don't even – when is anybody going to listen because they're not in their cars? Nobody's driving anywhere. I don't know. I so really haven't listened to very many podcasts at all lately. I know. So, But I, I am okay. seriously cool. having conversations with my wife that in the morning I'm going to get in the car and drive around the block and pull back in the driveway in the afternoon. What would the be the chance – what would be the chance, Patrick – of us getting an ear tug on Sunday during Fox News <laughs> as a shout out to all the longer haul listeners. Like, oh, obviously, well, well. you can't shout out the longer haul yeah. youth ministry podcast yeah, yeah. on Fox do a News. Secret but what word. would be the chance of you what just subtly, secret word, subtly at some point, just kind of giving one of these, just like you hit your ear? And I, I try to hit my ear. Look, and there are. It's just a click, <laughs> like it's just a boom. Like we get actually I, I see think I other. could work in the, the term long haul. You, should, you, just, you, you think know, you, I mean, we talked oh, about this very oh, thing oh, on the longer haul podcast the other day. I was on a podcast. I don't know that yeah, I would give a shout out. Don't be doing that. I can say something like, you know, I don't want Fox News attention. I could tell we're you. We're trying right. to, uh, we're trying to, you know, feed people for the long haul. Oh, see. What, see? see and everybody will it. know that that is the shout yeah. out. All right. Beautiful. See what I can do. We're going to look for it. All right, man. Yeah, Patrick, I love you, man. You're love you're a you great guys. friend, and I'm yeah. proud of you, and and I'm thankful you're okay, um, in the midst of that. And thank you for being willing to share that and, and allow that to be used for God's glory, man. And we'll keep right. praying for you as you do ministry there in New York City, and pray for all of us as youth yeah. pastors trying to figure out what the new normal is. Um, and uh, and we'll keep keep pressing on. So yeah. thanks, thanks a lot, guys. man. So good, so good. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tune in Sunday and watch for for the old uh, longer haul, the drop, yeah, the name drop. I know, dude. Like for real, man. I hope he does it. That'd be like, so I, funny. I, yeah, I love those little moments like that. I've done that with like, kids before. I, I got a buddy named George Jacobus back when he was in high school. He played football. He's a pretty good football player. At, um, and he, uh, one time, like during a game, I had him like. He was like a middle linebacker, and he would he would he, to let us know he would pat his bottom. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and so he did it during the game, and the whole stands, all the youth ministry, all the youth group was like, "Ah, George is his butt." You know, Jimmy Fallon does the secret word stuff. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Where they yeah. just have to drop a random. Dude, if word he says it. longer haul on there, I'm gonna flip my lid, dude. You can, are you gonna record it? You gonna record the four o'clock? I don't even know how to record, 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 record anything. You DVR four o'clock news. DVR. So. Can't thank Patrick enough, man. He's a great guy. And in all seriousness, listen, one day later on when all this thing settles down, if you're looking for an amazing summer mission trip opportunity, Patrick is your guy. He is 
top notch. He will give you an ama- help you get an amazing experience. So good Indeed. stuff. Jody, have fun out there in, in California, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be yeah. sure to head over to ym360.com and aerosport.fun. Check out those folks. Use longer yeah. haul. Save you some money. Uh, we'll, I will make sure that the, there are links to Patrick's contact information in the show notes for those who would be interested in following up and yeah. contacting him. That sounds good, man. That sounds good. Cool. Jody, I love you so much that next time my family and I. Yeah, you tried to FaceTime me last time, Chuck. I knew Chewy's. where you were. I knew um, where you were. I'm going to. Uh, my daughter just pulled up beside me here. Uh, Working from home. So um, I, will, I will eat that meal. I will eat that um, cream of jalapeno in your honor. That's how I, I told, love you. I told Sarah we're going to. One of the, the, the. If anything comes out of this whole quarantine thing we're gonna learn how to make that oh uh, yeah there's some great we started looking at recipes for that the other day because yeah. we we're like we need to figure out how to make this stuff so yep okay. cool. all right my man take care appreciate you all right see you dude see you